So as we are entering, have officially entered holiday seasons, um, it's not a surprising statement to say life can be, um, life can be tough. Life can be stressful. Um, and it, and it is enough on its own, but there's something about the holidays that kind of magnifies it a little bit. You're forced to maybe, um, deal with and think about some things, um, and some people perhaps that you've, um, spent a lot of time intentionally not thinking about and not dealing with. Um, but during the holiday season, things seem to be magnified. Um, and, and maybe things are going really well for you right now. And I hope that's the case for everybody. Um, I really do hope things are going so well that I just speak to myself this morning and you all leave thinking, well, <laughs> at least we got our church points. Um, but there's a lot of people who have things weighing on them. And there's a wide range of things that this could be. This could be family that's difficult. This could be um, maybe your children aren't becoming the people you hoped they would be. Maybe your marriage might not be in a great place. Um, Your job situation may be shaky at best. Um, And there's some uncertainty about the future of that. Perhaps there was, you know, a dream of something you wanted to do and it's not working and nobody's getting behind you. There's all sorts of things um, that can weigh on you um, in life. And, you know, for, for ourselves, the, the worst part is, is that when so many of these things are going on, you don't know really where to start to resolve these things. So some of these things can just seem so overwhelming. Maybe you've been dealing with some of these things for so long that you just kind of come to the terms like, oh, well, this is just permanent and it is what it is and there is no resolving and I've got to do it. Um, but the interesting thing about the Bible, which... <clears throat> most of us don't do a really good job of reading on a regular basis, um, is that we, we, there's something we tend to overlook. And that is every single author of the Bible, when you go through it and look at their stories, every single author in the Bible wrote in a time of uncertainty or trouble or extreme pressure. Every one of them. This is the context that every story in the Bible is written with. The men and women in the pages of the Bible, they were not strangers to the type of troubles that you and I experience, the uncertainties that we face, the pressures that are upon us. There are no just like average day stories in the Bible. Yeah, I woke up, had some lunch, went to bed. There's this Bible story. Like, doesn't exist. There's There's always an underlying tension within the stories. And you look, you know, either the stories of Abraham, you know, you think Abraham, oh, he was, you know, the father of the nation. It is great. And I say, no, no, that was full of pressure. That was full of uncertainty. You look at David, look at Mary, like just all, all of them, uncertainty, pressure, and trouble. It is the context of the stories of the Bible. And if you look through it, it's just, I mean, there's so many things. There's stress and there's death and there's famines and floods and enemies and wars and financial issues and just every issue. It's all there, all of it. And so when we begin looking at the burdens and the struggles that we're dealing with in life and, and how to face those and how to move on from those things, man, the, the Bible is an amazing guide as to how to begin to approach these things. And the challenging thing is this, is that what we find in the Bible when it comes to how to handle many of these things is not what we really want to find, right? 
Because so many times, you know, I've heard so many preachers be like, you know, you know, the, the Bible is a how-to book. It's a, you know, you go to that, it gives you direction for everything. And then so many times, I'm sure some of you have had this experience. You're like, oh, I'm dealing with this. And then you go to the Bible and you're like, I don't see it. Where's the how-to? You know, we want to look, we want to go, we want to look at things like, you know, big things, little things. You know, how do you, you know, where in the Bible does it find the way you can sustain a rally on Wall Street? You know, where, where's the three steps to ending terrorism? I'd like to have that in the Bible. You know, where, where's the how to get a better job part of the Bible? Is that in there? How to ask your boss for a raise and not get fired in the same conversation? Is that in the Bible? You know, is that how to, how to maintain a friendship with someone who's hurting you actively? Is that in there? Where's the steps? I don't see that. And so many times we have these problems, we have these issues and we open up the Bible and we just, and, and the idea of like, oh, you've got to get into it and find the principles underneath. We just kind of get frustrated with it and like, mm, it's not there. And it's why we feel um, the weight of the burden that we do is because we get frustrated so many times. Like, oh, well, I don't see just answers in the Bible. And so I guess it's on my own or I guess this is just what it is. But as you look at the Bible, there's things. There's, there's principles in there. There's things that you can do to take steps. And the thing is, is that on the surface, a lot of these things seem really impractical. They look at the things that you read them and you're like, I am so sure. Really? Like, I don't think I'm, I don't think anybody's gonna do that. And this is what they want me to do. But listen, the Bible is a goldmine on how to handle stressful, uncertain, difficult times because it's all the writers knew. Now, if you're here and maybe some of you maybe haven't really bought into the whole God thing and you know, you're here because somebody drug you in and whatever, maybe I'm just interesting enough for you to, to show up again, I, I, I don't know. But, but this whole, this isn't a Christian thing, people feeling these pressures. This is everybody across the board thing. But as I sit and I think about it, like, okay, if, if there's people who, you know, have decided to follow God and this is their perspective, or people who don't buy into it, like, what is the person who doesn't buy into the whole God thing? What do they do with this? And the longer I thought about it, the more I just came to one conclusion. Here's what happens. You worry a lot. You worry a lot. You stress about it. Because if, you know, if you don't have God into the equation, then it's up to you. And you already know that you aren't good enough to fix the problems that a lot of times you brought on to yourself and you don't know what to do next. And so, you know, if maybe you fall into that boat, maybe you just have an open mind this morning and, and maybe it'll help, help you to see something from a little different perspective. Um, have you ever been in a situation? I wanna see a show of hands. Have you ever been in a situation where you decided you were dealing with something and somebody said to you, just give it up to God. Anybody ever hear that phrase? Okay, those of you with, keep those hands up, let me see. Yeah, somebody said, just give it up to God. Now, how many of you with your hands up wanted to just punch the person in the face? <laughs> right? <laughs> because what the heck does that mean? <laughs> Like that's probably one of the most impractical pieces of advice that gets given out on a weekly basis, thousands upon thousands of times in churches across the country. Give it up to God. Like, 
What, that's, uh, man, when I, people would tell me, it would just frustrate me so much. How do you do that? What does that mean? How does that work? And one of the obvious ways that I, I, I want to talk about this morning is this. And even though we don't really do it necessarily the way God would have us do it. One of the obvious ways to do this is, are you ready for it? Prayer. You're all like, what? We came to church for that? Just pray? But listen, listen, listen. Some of you may have heard that and you thought, well, okay, first of all, Andy, that's really insulting that you think we didn't know that. Second of all, I've done that. When these troubles started, I prayed. In fact, as long as I've had these troubles, I've been praying and nothing has happened, right? It didn't help one bit. I'm not even sure anybody heard it, including God, let alone decided to respond to it. So, mm, you know, actually not is it just a little belittling that you tell us to pray, but it's actually kind of insulting because you're telling me to do something that I've been doing. But today I want you to listen because we're gonna peel back the surface of a specific type of prayer. And we're gonna look at it in a way that that holds an incredible truth when it comes to dealing with troubling circumstances and uncertain things within your life. If you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in Philippians chapter four. And the context of this is the author is Paul. And Paul, like all of the other writers, is writing this within the context of a whole lot of trouble and uncertainty. He was a Jewish man who believed Jesus was the Messiah. There's pressure one against him as he's working against his society. He went on a mission to tell everybody about Jesus. In the process, got arrested and was sent to Rome for trial. On the way to Rome for trial, his ship wrecks. Many people around him die. He doesn't. He could have escaped through the whole thing. Instead, he chose to save some of the Roman soldiers that were hauling him in for trial and brings them in. He gets to Rome. He's put into prison to wait for his trial to come up, which could have been a week, could have been a year, who knows. And so this guy is writing this specific passage, not from a shore overlooking a beautiful ocean. No, he's writing it in prison, chained to a wall between two guards while he's awaiting trial. The emperor at the time who was going to oversee the trial was Nero. You may have heard that name before. He was the one who built arenas to kill Christians. Like this was his, this was his pastime. He set out to purge the world of this weird Jewish cultish offshoot, offshoot called Christianity. So here sitting in this prison, waiting to be tried under Nero is Paul. And the reason I tell you all that is because when we read the words we're getting ready to read, you're gonna think, I am so sure that anybody would be able to do this. This is just absolutely ridiculous. In fact, you would be tempted to, when you read it, be like, Paul, yeah, I see what you wrote, but come visit my situation. And then write this and tell me this is what you think that I should do. And Paul would say, I would love to have been in your situation as opposed to where I was when I wrote this. 
And the point is, is that when we read a lot of these things in scripture, we're reading them through our eyes today and our circumstances and deciding things. But we've got to be careful not to dismiss some of the things that the scripture says because the people who wrote this were experiencing struggles and persecutions and troubles and uncertainty on a level that most of us could not even imagine. And so we'd be wise to not just dismiss difficult sentences and commands offhand. Now, this passage has an incredible insight that if we grasp it, it's gonna take us a long way towards being able to put the weight that we're carrying into God's hands. Here we go. Verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. To which we're like, you have got to be kidding me. Always. Paul's like, no, always. That's what you're to do. In fact, here's how much I think you should do it. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. In other words, he, he, he's writing to, to, these, to these Christians who are going through struggles, but he's writing to us who are experiencing struggles. He says, look, you are so bent out of shape, so worried, so overwhelmed with your circumstances and the things that are going on around you. But here's what you need to do. You need to rejoice. You need to, and this is a really difficult idea for us to grasp hold of, but you need to find joy in this. To which we're like, how do you find joy in this? And Paul says, no, 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 you, you don't get it. You're too caught up in your circumstance. You don't, you don't get it. You're, you're thinking like everyone else around you is thinking. But, but everyone else around you, including you yourself, because you're thinking like everyone else around you, is out of control, without purpose. And he reminds you on the end, he says, have you forgotten? The Lord is near. The Lord is near. He is, in other words, he is still in control. Implication being, you are not in control. See that, that just that right there is a difficult one for a lot of us to grasp onto, that you are not in control. So he says, God's in control. He hasn't gone anywhere. Let your gentleness be evident. And what he's saying to us here is this, and this could be a whole nother sermon, but we'll hit it quick. In the midst of what you're going through, do not sacrifice your character. Do not let what you are going through change who you are. Do not let the circumstances that surround you change your character. With all the uncertainty, the pressure, the weight, the situation, don't lose your character. Well, how can I do that in these circumstances, Paul? Why don't you give me something? He says, okay, here, how about this? Do not be anxious about some things, a couple things, anything. Do not be anxious about anything. And again, you read that and you wanna just slam the Bible shut. And be like, ridiculous, Paul, <laughs> ridiculous. You don't get it, do you? Paul, you don't know my life. Like anxious is, my, anxious is my default when I wake up in the morning. Like there's so many things going on. Paul, for you to say this, ridiculous, right? But the word anxious means to be distracted by the fear of the future. 
That's what being anxious is. Your fear of whatever might happen is distracting you from what you should be doing. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Anytime you're facing trouble and pressure and uncertainty, there's an element of fear present. There is. I'm so afraid of what's going to go on. How is this going to work out? How am I going to get through this? That we become anxious. And Paul says, I don't want you to be distracted by that anxiety. Yeah, but Paul, you don't know what's going on in my life. Can you really carry this much weight? Have this many issues and not be distracted? And the apostle Paul, chained between two guards, says, sure you can do it. Absolutely you can. Let me tell you what you have to do. Pray. Well, Paul, I tried that. Not very helpful. What else you got? (laughs) Listen to what he says. And I hope I do a decent job of explaining this clearly. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, which is all those things we're tempted to be anxious about, but in everything by prayer and petition with, and here's our word, thanksgiving, present your request to God. See, what he doesn't say is just say a prayer. See, because that's what so many of us do. Things are going on and it's like, okay, I need to pray. God, fix it. God, get me out of it. Like we get, we jump straight to the point. No time to lose. Things are dire. And we get it. Maybe we get on our knees. Maybe we're driving down the road. Who knows? But our prayer is the extent of we give a direction to God for him to follow quickly so that our situation is better. He he doesn't say just tell God and everything will be okay. No, what he does is grammatically within, within the sentence, he slows the reader down. He says, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're so anxious when you pray to get to the punchline, right? But what I want you to do is I want you to slow down with prayer and petition and thanksgiving. In other words, don't rush by it all too fast. Go through a process, slow yourself down. And then after you've done that, then let your request be known to God. And he uses a very interesting wording in the Greek which literally means, and this is incredible. If you were to look in the literal translation um, of this sentence, he literally says in the make your request be known to God, he says, unveil the mystery of your desires to God. And this is translated different in almost every English version because it's such a difficult sentence to translate. But what he is essentially saying is that you've got to stop because there's a mystery involved. There's something below the surface that isn't immediately clear to you. And so through prayer, through supplication, this isn't a 30 second prayer. This isn't a one minute prayer. This isn't like through this prayer. And this isn't, you know, because our tendency is like, okay, dear Heavenly Father, you know, help her to be better. Help him to be more attentive. Help me to get the job, right? Stop them from being a terrible person, right? Now he's like, no, 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 no. This is a process. This is a go home, get alone, set yourself aside type of prayer and grapple with God in that moment to unveil the mystery of your desire. And here's what I'm getting at. Is that wherever there are pressures and problems and uncertainty and anxiety, there's always fear there. 
In fact, you might be able to, when you, when you state what your issue is, when you really uncover the mystery of what's going on, you, you may be able to phrase it just like this. You may be able to say, the reason that I am worried about this is because I'm afraid that and fill in the blank. So and just say, instead of just saying, okay, here's the situation, God, fix it. You, instead of just saying, okay, God, fix my job, fix my kids, fix my marriage, fix my relatives, fix my bills, fix my you know, finances, all the whole night, whatever you want to fix. There's a fear that goes along with those. There's an anxiety that wells up within us. And in that fear, there resides a desire or a longing that most of us don't even realize is there, that we're not even aware of. And in the midst of the uncertainty and the trouble, you have to get past the circumstantial prayers. That is the thing that's on the surface that you're immediately dealing with that has your attention. You've got to get past those and grapple and come to grips with what is really going on inside and what it is that you really desire for God to do within that prayer. You've got to discover, and here's what it really comes down to. You've got to discover what you're actually afraid of. Because until you figure out what it is that you actually fear, there's no way you and God can deal with it. Then it can't happen. And if you can get to that point where you can say, okay, God, I've dug down below the surface and here is my actual fear. That fear, that is when you are able to begin to give it up to God. But until you do the work to dive down and figure it out, the whole give it up to God part just makes no sense and makes you wanna punch people that say it to you. (laughs) Because once you figure out the fear and once you present that fear out loud to God, it's almost as if you can hear him whisper into your spirit. Yeah, I can handle that. I I can handle that. I've got you. You don't need to fear this. And so it's not simply your kids or your jobs or your relationships and your finances. There's something else driving this fear. And once you discover that and unwrap it and hand it to God, you will be able to walk away with a sense of confidence that even though you can't see how, things are going to be okay. So that's a lot of theory. So I want to maybe try and give you an example of how you do this with one specific issue. To go from what the circumstantial part of the prayer is to dig down and kind of see, okay, there's a fear that lies below this. Here's what the conversation between perhaps someone who has just lost their job and is praying to God about this situation and this pressure. God, I've, I've lost my job. Well, okay. Well, what are you afraid of? I'm not afraid of anything. I just need a job. You got to have a job. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what are you worried about? Well, I'm afraid that, aha, so you are afraid. (laughs) There is a fear. Well, okay, yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid if I don't have a job that I won't be able to support my family. Okay, that's a reasonable fear but what is it that you really want? Well, I, I want to be able to take care of my family. Yeah, no, 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 no. More than that, what is it that you really want? Well, I want to know that my family is taken care of. 
which God would say, I can take care of that. But what else are you afraid of? No, that's all I'm afraid of. No, it's not. What else are you afraid of? Well, maybe I'm afraid that if I don't have a job, people are going to think I'm a failure. Okay, so what is it that you want? What is it that you desire? What are you, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm just afraid of what people think. Yeah, yeah, but what do you desire? Well, I just want them to think I'm okay. So you want to be accepted. Yeah, I want to be accepted. I can handle that. And so being able to dig down below just, God, I need a job. Until you dig down and you figure out what the fear and what the desire is unveiling the mystery of your desire, what it is that you really want from God. Until you do that, you can't begin to give whatever that desire is over to God. It's why it never works to just say a prayer about God, I need you to do this. It doesn't work. And what it is that you're afraid of, what is in there? God says, if you would get alone with me and spend some time and really dig deep and unpack those fears and leave it in my capable hands, you'll have peace. And you can live through these tumultuous times and these, these times of anxiety. You can get through them without that anxiousness. That is, you will not be controlled by your fear of what's coming. But a key phrase within this is that with thanksgiving part. That's a really key phrase. Because now, you know, if I were to read this and then ask my boys, what, what do you think that means? That's like, okay, well, that means um, we're going to say this prayer with a turkey feast, right? You know, that's thanksgiving. Um, but here's why this is key. Thanksgiving is taking the time to thank God for what he has done for you. And in order to be able to properly thank God for what he's done for you, you're going to have to have a recollection of the things that God has done for you. And you're going to have to look around in your life and you're going to have to take stock and you're going to have to say, okay, what are the things that I am thankful for? And as you begin to intentionally come up with things in your life that you are thankful for, and that list begins to grow. And as you begin to remember things that you had gone through before, and you can't really go back and figure out how, but God made it work. And you bring those things to your memory and you begin to express that gratitude and that thanksgiving for that. It does two things. First of all, it makes the problem that you're dealing with, it makes the intensity of it begin to shrink. And the second thing it does is as that list grows of the things that you're thankful for, where God has come through or the things that you have, you begin to realize God is capable. And many of these things that I am thankful for, if I'm honest with myself, I did not get these things on my own. These were not things that were all in my control. Because I've got news for you. Control from beginning to end is an illusion. It's an illusion. It doesn't matter how much you think you are in control. Whatever your situation in life is, all it takes is one event in a split moment and everything's changed. We may think we have control, 
but control is an illusion. And as we look at the things that God has done for us and come through in us, and we realize that he has the power to control these things, it begins to cause us to not have that anxiety and fear for that thing that we're dealing with now because God is able. And then Paul lays on a promise. He says, if you do all that, here's here's the promise. And the peace of God, that is the peace that God gives, not the peace that we find around us in culture, but the peace where Jesus said to the disciples, my peace, I leave with you. That peace, because, because the peace that's around us in culture, that peace is, as long as everything's okay, I'm at peace. But as soon as everything is not okay, the peace disappears. God says, I'm giving you a different peace. I'm giving you one that is not the peace of circumstance, that it does not matter what you are going through. There is still a sense of peace and calm within your life. He says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which means it doesn't make any sense. You cannot explain it. As you look at somebody, as somebody looks at you as you're going through it and they're like, how are you going through this? And you seem so calm and you seem at peace. You can't explain it. The only thing you can say is God. And they look at you like, you're a nut. Okay, but I just can't explain it. That's the best that I can do. It's God. It's God, it doesn't make sense, I know, but it literally means that it surpasses the thoughts and the logic of mankind, that that's what it is. And as you unpack your fears and reveal what your desires are and hand those over to the capable hands of God, that peace will come to you, which does this. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, which your hearts in the Bible is always your emotions, that emotion center, of you. God says, if you will do this, I will give you a peace that will guard your emotions. And I don't know about you, but I do a terrible job of guarding my emotions and I could use all the help I can get. And you know why I believe this? I believe this not because I read it in the Bible, but I believe it because I've learned it from experience. There have been times where I've gone through the process and had the peace and times when I haven't and have been overcome with anxiety. I believe this because I have watched people over and over and over again have that same experience. The peace. And this is what is so weird about this that you you can't explain it is that the peace precedes a change in circumstance. That if we're willing to do this, get down to our fears, tell God what it is that we really desire and unload our burdens to the point that we can walk away with peace, even though we don't know how it's gonna work out. is more than a surface request that most of us count as praying when we say, I've been praying about it from the beginning. So here's my desire for you and for us as a church, that we would get past the, God help us and God change this and God bless this, that we would get past that prayer and that we would find the courage and the time to get alone with God and deal with the true desires of our heart. And here's how you can start that time because that might seem a little overwhelming. Here's how you can start it. What is your greatest concern right now? If you had to pick the one thing that's your biggest issue right now, what is that? And what are you afraid will happen 
if that thing either comes true or continues to happen? What are you afraid is going to happen? And somewhere inside of that fear, you will find what your true desire really is. And once you discover that desire and place it in God's hand with rejoicing and thanksgiving over all that he has done for you to this point, God, whose hands are really the only ones capable of carrying it anyway, will begin to carry that burden for you. And that's what it means to give it up to God. Is that easy? No. Are we going to be successful at doing that? Most of us probably not. Some of us maybe sometimes, but it's a lot of work. But that's what it takes. If you're going through it and you don't know what to do next, go through the actual process of giving that burden to God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for just the depth of the words in the scriptures that just reveal so many principles that are so incredibly helpful to navigating life, especially when life tends to get overwhelming for us. Lord, I pray that as we go through this week and we head into this holiday season, when statistically is when people struggle with their issues the most. God, may we be courageous enough to separate the time to discover what our fears are and what our desires truly are so that we can begin to not carry those things on our own, but allow you to carry those burdens for us. Lord, I pray that for those who are brave enough to go through this process, may this be life-changing. And may we hear stories with great rejoicing and with thanksgiving over the things that you have done in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In your name, amen. Amen. Look forward to seeing you all next week as we finally begin Christmas. Beautiful.